0: Hi listeners, I'm your host, Rebecca Kelly, and welcome back to The Station, a fiction podcast following the life of a girl named Ida, who's stranded on board a derelict space station called the Delta. Before we begin, I have a small favor to ask. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to drop into your podcast player and leave it a five-star review. This helps me reach more people, and I greatly appreciate each and every one. Now, let's hop back into our story. When we last left off, we learned about New Shepard and her two crewmates on board the Delta some 19 years before Ida's present reality. Nu decides to send her crew members home on a Soyuz vessel while she stays on board to keep the Delta running after they lose all ground communication. But the decision has deadly consequences. A crack in the hull of the Soyuz causes it to break up during re-entry into the atmosphere. The pieces of the ship and its occupants are found scattered over remote Siberia. Because of the ongoing world war, a full investigation is never completed and the world soon forgets about the Delta, leaving New all alone with no way to communicate with the surface. In today's episode, we'll jump back to Ida in her present reality. She just found a system of communication satellites launched from the surface and she's trying to make contact with them. While she waits to do that, she finds out some very disturbing information about her space station, information that will change the course of her journey For good. Are you ready to find out what that is? Let's jump right in. Here is chapter 16 of The Station. Thump, thump, thump. I am nervously drumming the end of a pen against the table in the kitchen. I pause a moment to look at the pen. It's blue and has the letters NASA written across it in bold white font. It also has my name, Ida, scrawled in my own messy handwriting on a small piece of tape around its perimeter. I can't remember the last time I put my name on anything around here. I've finished supper, and I can't think of anything else to do but sit here and drum this pen on the table. It's been two days since my birthday, and so far, nothing has happened except the same old, boring stuff that always happens around here. But I'm happy to say that my suspicion that there was a communication satellite launch is correct. Except there were actually six satellites launched from a single rocket instead of just one. Here's how I know. The station is equipped with radar so the computers can detect potentially hazardous debris. There's a ton of stuff floating around up here, everything from paint chips to rocks to large broken up pieces of satellites. According to New, There was no radar system built into prior space stations. They had to rely entirely on ground control to find potentially dangerous orbiting objects so they could get out of the way in time. The station gets hit by space debris all the time. You can hear it. Bits of dust make metallic pings when they come up against the outer hull. The little objects aren't the problem. It's the big stuff that the computer watches for. Because the Delta was meant to occupy an orbit much further away from the Earth than any space station in the past, they gave it a radar system to detect space debris on its own. But a radar system like that requires a lot of power to run it. All of the previous space stations relied on solar energy for most of their power. Not that the Delta doesn't have solar power, there are actually four solar arrays on the starboard end of the station. If necessary, they could provide all of the power necessary to keep me alive in here. However, they wouldn't provide enough power to keep the G running or keep up with the long-range radar search. That's why they gave the Delta its own nuclear power plant. The station is equipped with a nuclear reactor that can run it for over 100 years. I'm not sure exactly how long it will last, but long enough. I'll either be gone or dead by the time the reactors run out of juice. The reactor uses two uranium-235 tubes about the size of baseball bats to produce the heat that's then converted to power. It's also what powers the ion engine. That's how I perform orbital maneuvers to keep the station in a safe orbit. ION engines allow you to produce a tiny bit of acceleration over a long period of time. The radar also runs on power produced by the reactors, and it does a constant scan of the area around the station. It's set to keep track of a 50-kilometer sphere of space, and it searches for objects bigger than 10 centimeters, as those cause the most damage. So, as an experiment, I increased the bubble that the radar searches to 100 kilometers, and there they were. Six objects launched to relatively the same area. This makes me think that they were all launched on one rocket and split up after they got to orbit. Well, to clarify, there were six objects. They have all since left my little search sphere. From the looks of the paths they took, they are on their way to geosynchronous orbits, which makes perfect sense for my communications satellite theory. So what now? Sit and wait, I guess. It's really all I can do disappointing for sure i decide to call it a day and go to bed it's only 1930 gmt right now which is pretty early for me but i can't concentrate on anything my sleep compartment is on the other side of the g from the kitchen next to the bathroom it only takes about 30 seconds to walk from one side to the other i look into the mirror after i'm done brushing my teeth and hair there's the girl again looking back at me from the other side of the glass she isn't smiling now though She looks worried. This doesn't surprise me. She's always worried about something. The sun is out, so I cover up the little porthole window in my sleep compartment with a blackout blind and close the compartment door before flopping down on my bed. I know if I spend too much time lying here, I'll never go to sleep. It's time to start counting. My mother taught me a little mind trick many years ago. Count backward from a thousand to put yourself to sleep. I roll through many numbers, but finally, sleep takes over. Seven days. That's how long it's been since I first found the rocket tail from the satellite launch. It's Monday again. Nix and I are working on maintenance and systems checks, the same checks we do every Monday. He's outside right now checking the outer hole for punctures, and I'm working on an orbital maneuver. My station orbits between 350 and 420 kilometers above the surface. Even though I'm out here with what seems like a perfect vacuum, that's not exactly true. The Earth's atmosphere is further reaching than you might think, and tiny atmospheric molecules hit my station daily, causing it to slow down. The real problem with this slowdown is that it's not constant. There's no way to predict how much it will slow down over a period of time. The size of the atmosphere depends on the activity of the sun, which causes the outer atmosphere to expand and contract like a sponge. At certain times, the atmosphere where I am is thicker than at other times. To counteract this drag, I fire up the ion engine from time to time. I can't set the engine up on autopilot, turning on at a specific time or at specific intervals. As I said, the drag isn't constant. It's something I have to monitor to keep the station's altitude from getting too low. Frankly, it's not my favorite thing to do. Fire up the engine, that is. If something fails in the burn process, I am toast, literally. Without the atmospheric boost, the station gets lower and lower in the atmosphere, and the lower it gets, the slower it gets. The station can technically orbit as low as 260 kilometers, but anything lower than that is really risky. The ion engines wouldn't be able to lift it out of an orbit lower than, say, 160 kilometers, and it would start to break up at 100 kilometers. Today's orbit is showing just short of 350 kilometers, which means it's time to give it a boost. The ion engine on the Delta is the first engine of its type ever built and put into use on a manned space vehicle. Heat from the reactor is routed to the engine where it's used to heat liquid hydrogen and create ionized gas. The engine then shoots the gas out the back of the spacecraft in a steady stream. There are four tanks of liquid hydrogen strapped to the station that the engine uses to create its thrust. They were fueled up about a year before the crew lost communication with the surface, and that was 19 years ago. I'm down to about half capacity, so it's still got some juice in the tank for orbital boosts. If all else fails, I can use the water reclamation system to isolate hydrogen, but it isn't an ideal situation because water, too, is a pretty important resource. An ion engine works differently than old-fashioned chemical thrusters would. It takes a little more time to push the station into a higher orbit, which is another really good reason to keep the altitude well above the minimum. The amount of time needed to boost the station depends on how low the station is. The problem is, if it doesn't have enough time to produce the necessary thrust, the station could dip too low to recover. It's a delicate and exhausting balance. I'm in the service module working from the main screen. I pull up the proper program and begin to initiate the commands to warm up the engine. Seeing it's going to take a while to get her up and running, I take a break and head down to the G for some exercise. Today's exercise will be the stationary bike. I hate the stationary bike, so I pick out an old movie to watch so that I don't die of boredom atop the bike. I'm pedaling through the steepest part of the virtual course when down in the corner of the hollow screen, an email icon pops up. The computer is programmed to email me when it requires any sort of action on my part. It's a generic email alert, so it doesn't give me any details or specific information. I power down the bike and head up to the service module to see what's up. Once there, I immediately see what the issue is. There was a failure with the engine startup command. That's strange. I look through the system for a while and discover the command was sent to the engine, but the engine failed to initiate. The nuclear reactor is online, I know that because the station power is running as normal, but the propulsion system didn't respond to the computer command. Great. I tried the secondary and tertiary backup initialization systems. No luck. Technically, the nuclear reactor and the propulsion system are separate machines. The reactor can power either the engine or the electrical system. I manually cut the power to the station so it's not drawing on the reactor. It can run on batteries for a while with no issues. This is usually what the reactor does when it powers the engine, but it normally does it automatically when I initiate the burn sequence. Again, no luck. There are fans in the reactor which help dissipate heat. I check each fan thinking maybe there was a problem with heat buildup. The system shows the reactor fans are working fine. The propulsion system has separate fans. I check those and bingo, no response. So basically the propulsion system fans aren't getting any power, great. Next, I run a full diagnostic check on the connections between the reactor and the engine. It's showing a total failure. How could I not have caught this when I last checked the reactor? I suppose if the reactor is working properly, then the engine itself wouldn't show any issues, being it wasn't activated. My routine maintenance checklist does not call for a check of the engines, only the reactor. Damn. Nix, I call out from the service module. After a brief moment of silence, I hear Nix moving about and the latches releasing from his charging port. Yes, dear, he says as he pops his Iron Man head through the tunnel which leads to the service module. I'm having an issue with the engine, I say. There's no power making it from the reactor to the engine. It's showing a total failure, almost like the engine isn't there or something. I bite my lip. It's a weird, nervous habit I've had all my life. Oh my, he says. That's not very good news. What can I do to help? I want you to go out there and have a look, I say. You'll need to actually enter the reactor from the outside and see what might be causing the backup between the reactor and the engine. I've got a checklist here that I pulled up from the system files for how to go about troubleshooting it. Yes, he says, I have the checklist right here in my memory stores. I will go out there and take a look. Nix has been outside a long time. I imagine it takes a while to go through the checklist. There's a ton of complicated circuitry between those units. I asked him how he was doing a few minutes ago, and he said he was almost done and had yet to find the issue. His voice pops into my ear. Well, all seems to be well with the reactor. I believe the issue lies with the fans meant to dissipate heat away from the engine. The engine must have overheated during the last orbital maneuver. It looks as though there was a short circuit in the wiring. This caused the fans to quit working, which then caused the engine to overheat. What about the backup system, I ask? Isn't there a backup form of heat dissipation? Oh, yes, there certainly is, he says. But it appears that even the backup system has failed. Nothing on page 16 of the checklist is functioning due to the shorted wires. Okay, come back in, I say, sighing, defeated. Yes, ma'am, he says. I am in big trouble. I should have seen this coming. I couldn't expect something like a complex ion engine to just last forever, considering it was only supposed to last 10 years when it was originally designed. I did some math. It's going to take about six months to slow down enough to drop the orbit to 200 kilometers. After that, the orbital decay will really start to speed up. It's exponential. Complete deorbit will take place in about nine months. But really, if I'm still on this thing after six months, anything is game because the truth is, I have no idea how fast this thing is going to crash into the atmosphere. Much of the atmospheric drag has to do with the sun, and I can't predict what the sun will do. I've never been all that great at math anyway. It's possible my calculations are wrong. I remember New mentioning what happened to the ISS when they allowed it to deorbit. It happened much faster than they anticipated because it was such a big station. The atmospheric drag took over at a greater rate than they thought it would, and it nearly broke up over an urban area. It was a big deal, and it gave NASA a huge scare before it finally came down harmlessly over the Indian Ocean. So that's that. I've hit a deadline. I have six months to get off the station or get the engine working. I must continue to try and reach those communication satellites and pray someone on the other end is listening. Thanks for listening, sci-fi fans. In the next episode, we will go back to News journey after her crew members leave the Delta. She's about to get some incredible news of her own. You don't want to miss it. See you then. Bye.